Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the podcast, ladies and gents. Wonderful to have you here. It's our final episode of 2020. The next one, which will come on Friday, that will be January 1. We'll be there for you to preview uh, Saturday and Sunday's games. A couple of goodies for you here, though. First of all, to anyone that found this podcast in the past week, in the past month, in the past six months, you know, during the start of quarantine, whenever it was, if it was this year, if it was 2013, again, Genuine thanks to you for engaging in the podcast. It means a lot, and you guys have come through so beautifully with reviews, questions, and ratings in the Apple Podcast. Sincerely appreciate that. If you're the kind of listener that really enjoys the podcast but could never really see yourself logging in, just just do it. Please send us more. We will incorporate more of that stuff into the podcast going forward. It's highly appreciated. Also, the court report, my weekly kind of notebook tour around college basketball. That's back every Thursday at CBSSports.com or, of course, in the CBS Sports app. You can at me. Find me on Twitter at Matt Norlander. And if you have a quick question, big or small, go ahead and tweet at me if you're on Twitter. I do want to hear from you, and I will incorporate the questions into the court report on a weekly basis. Also, I'm going to drop at the end of this pod, I'm going to leave a little goodie here for anyone that might have missed it when it happened. I'm going to include in the outro my favorite podcast intro that we had earlier this year, months and months and months ago. So for whatever reason you never listened to that, I'm going to drop that for you there. Last thing, hey, it is college football season still. Bowl season's wrapping up. We've got the college football playoff, national semis. Title game isn't that far away. So a reminder about the Cover 3 podcast, Barton Simmons, Tom Fornelli, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson. They are offering up Bowl Season Daily. It's 10 to 15-minute episodes in the feed every single morning that gets you prepped for those games. And then at night, they're going to have instant reaction pods in addition to giving you big storylines, gambling advice, all that good stuff. Those guys do a wonderful job. So if you enjoy the Ion College Basketball Podcast, which you obviously do because you're here, Go find the Cover 3 podcast and wrap up the college football season appropriately. Okay, this was a long intro. You know what that means. Time for the music. Time for GP. Here we go. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where... We sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I want to start this episode on Michigan State. The Spartans have now lost three straight games to Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Those three losses came by an average of 16 points. Michigan State looked bad in each game. So Tom Izzo's team is now 6-3 and three overall, 0-3 in the Big Ten. Spartans are down to 51st at Ken Palm, 54th at Torvik. So dead leg, let me ask you a simple question. Here's the question. Will Michigan State make the 2021 NCAA tournament? Yeah, it's going to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's going to, that, that's going to happen. I mean, I'm going to throw it right back at you. Is Michigan State going to make the 2021 NCAA tournament, Gary Parrish? I'm certainly more skeptical than you are. Yes Barbie. or no? Yes or no? My answer is yes. I, my answer is no. Oh, my goodness. My answer is no. And now I, I have done this once before. 
back in 2006, I think, like my first year on the job, and I'm like, Michigan State's it's over, <laughs> you know. Like I don't know. So I've done this before and been wrong before, but they're in a really bad place right now. I mean, they're six and three. Their only good win, if it's good, is a win at Duke. Hey, by the way, we need probably need to start wondering how good Duke is if Michigan State beat them and, and Michigan State can't beat anybody else. But uh, you know, six and three overall, zero oh and three in the Big Ten. Ken Palm right now. How about this? For whatever it's worth. Projected record, 13-13 and 13 overall, 7-13 and 13 in the Big Ten. I'll, I'll put it this way. If they do what the computers now say they're going to do, that won't be good enough. We'll see. And uh, we'll have to wait on Friday's episode. No, There's, like, no games of note on New Year's Day, so we'll have a Friday pod to preview that. I'll just let you know that, you know, Michigan State's looking at a three-game losing streak. And the good news is it has to walk into Pinnacle Bank on Saturday. So perhaps the tide will turn there. Um, it looked dreadful Monday night at Minnesota. Now I hopped on the post game media availability with Tom Izzo just to see what he was going to say. And what was interesting, I just didn't, I, I didn't know what, you know, what he was going to say because after the Northwestern game, he had some, uh, rightfully critical things to say about his team and his body language and just the effort overall. He actually said, I was thrilled with our defensive effort. We just couldn't make shots. And in this sport, you got to make shots to win. I think you're aware of that, GP. But that. it, but it was brutal. I mean, they went six of twenty-five from three and twelve of forty-five from two-point range. I mean, the just an abysmal point seven six points per possession, and it could have been just one of those nights. Coaches will tell you they get them all the time, or at least some of the time, depending on where you coach. Where you just the, the ball doesn't go in, and it. The issue compounds itself. Now, the problem is that issue surfaced after a loss at Northwestern and then couldn't even, you know, reel in Wisconsin on Christmas Day. And so now it's six and three. And yeah, I'm waiting a little while longer, like another another week or so before we really start to look. And who knows, this might even be a podcast topic when we get there. It'll be interesting if we do get there, if we're really going to have Kentucky. Let's see what Duke does this weekend, if it can play its game. Michigan State, what it does. It's Carolina out of the woods. You know, these teams that make the NCAA tournament with regularity, almost you can almost set your watch to it. Um, but is that not going to be the case this season? We'll see. I, I, let's give it a little while longer, but my answer is yes, Michigan State's going to get there. It's going to be tough. But as we said in the previous podcast, we expect the Big Ten to get at least 10 teams into the field. So that three-game losing streak, uh, the problems actually date back one game earlier when Michigan State played Oakland because though they scored 109 points and one, they let Oakland score 91 and shoot 50% from the field. And that was the start of a three-game stretch in which three straight opponents shot at least 50% from the field against Michigan State. And though Tom said, and I'll take him at his word, that he was pleased with their defensive effort. Minnesota, I think, shot 47% against Michigan State to the extent that the Spartans are now 76th, I mean, no, 72nd in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. For context, and I think I've mentioned this before, uh, they haven't finished outside of the top 40 in defensive efficiency since 2006. So this is not normal. This is not a, a good 
a, a good defensive team. And, and by extension, it doesn't appear to be a, a good team in general. And the reason I wanted to open with that question is Michigan State going to make the NCAA tournament isn't because we're going to do this every week. Like, I'm not going to come back next week and be like, all right, Norlander, question for you, dead leg. Is NC State going to make the NCAA tournament? The reason it's, it's, it's notable with Michigan State is because they've been to 22 straight NCAA tournaments. Mm-hmm. Only two schools have longer active NCAA tournament streaks. Trivia time. Norlander, what two schools have the longest active NCAA tournament streaks in America? Kansas and Duke. Can you do it? Can you name the years? Kansas, I think, is. Are we? So, uh, hold on. Are we counting? And mm-hmm. we're counting consecutive NCAA tournaments made. Correct. So I'll tell you this right now. So Duke would have been ninety-five. They missed. So ninety-six. The math. Duke is at twenty-four straight. That's and right. And I don't think I can get Kansas. I know has the longest and. I'm going to blindly say 28 with Kansas. Kansas is 30. Okay. Kansas Which is, I mean, crazy. Well, like, do you realize Kansas hasn't had anything but Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame coaches on the sideline since 1983? Kansas's coaching list is ridiculous. By the way, t- trivia time. Okay. Do you know how many coaches Kansas has had in history? Uh, you know, when I did the all-time program, so... I did the program rankings over the in the summer into the fall, and we published them in the preseason there. So the the best programs in college basketball history. I know it's low because I went through all the records there. You're saying all time head coaches in Kansas history. What's the number? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say eight. It is eight. Yeah, yeah. They've had eight coaches ever. I'm on fire, by the way. <laughs> in the past three, are uh, the by the way they've had eight ever. I just went and looked this up last night. Memphis has had seven since I've been an adult. <laughs> it Crazy. goes from Larry Finch to Tick Price to Johnny Jones, John Calipari, Josh Pastner, Tubby Smith, Penny Hardaway. They've had seven since I've been an adult. Kansas has had eight dating back to the 1800s. Trivia time. Okay. Tick Price, currently the head coach where? Oh, at Lamar. There we go. There we yeah. go. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, right. You're right. Kansas is the Pittsburgh Steelers of college basketball, by the way. Pittsburgh has, has had Mike Tomlin, uh, uh, before that, uh, Bill Cower, and then for years, Chuck Knowles. The same kind of deal. Right. So Kansas is, uh, so eight coaches. The first one ever, of course, was James Naismith. He is the inventor of basketball. Right. Also, who had a losing only, record. Who had a losing record. How how awful would it be to invent a sport you can't win in? He was no two-year-old Tony Hinkle, and I think our <laughs> listeners are know that. How is it possible you can invent? Why, if I ever invent a sport, it's going to be something I can win at. James Naismith, <laughs> like, well, he, he had a real blind spot here. He invented a sport he could not win at, at Kansas, no less. He's a head coach at Kansas, went 55 and 60. And then, and then Dr. Forrest Fog Allen takes over. He is considered the father of basketball coaching. So their first two coaches were both Naismith Memorial Hall of Famers. One invented the game. The other is the father of basketball coaching. And, of course, Fog Allen got Fog Allen Fieldhouse named in his honor. Do you know why? Trivia time? No, do you know why? Do you know why his nickname Fog? You know, when you tell me this, I'm going to remember it. Let me just um... – I've heard the story. I've heard the anecdote. Uh, why was he named Fog? Um, 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 uh, give it to me. 
He had a distinctive, distinctive foghorn voice as a baseball umpire. Nope. So, so they nicknamed him Fog. Here's the part I don't understand. They spelled it P-H-O-G, but Foghorn is F-O-G, horn. Why did they put a P-H on this? You're the one who did the research. I think it's on I you to know. tell us. I, I couldn't find it. I don't understand what they were doing there. I don't understand what they were doing. So Kansas coaches go, James Naismith, Fog Allen, three dudes you don't care about, Larry Brown, Roy Williams, Bill Self. Kansas has had eight coaches since 1898, and five of the eight Naismith Memorial Hall of Famers. So anyway, just randomly. Oh, got I, got, I got one anecdote for you. I mean, you're just going to yada yada over the fact that those three dudes that people don't care about, I mean, that coincided with the Bill Henderson era. So, you know. They were competing in the Bill a, Henderson era. That's, that's, that's the correlation there. But, no, I, I, I hear you on all that. By the way, the only other team that has a current streak of at least 15 consecutive NCAA tournaments is Gonzaga. And I think they're at right. 20 or 21. They're, they're right they there. They're nipping on Michigan State's heels. I know they're right next to each other. So. They, yeah, the top four, Kansas has been at 30, Duke to 24, Michigan State to 22, Gonzaga to 20. Mark Few is the only coach in college basketball who has coached, you know, a, at least five seasons and never missed the NCAA tournament. He has a, 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 pot, a chance to perhaps one day retire having never missed the NCAA tournament, which would be remarkable. And so that's why I bring up Michigan state. They are in a, a, you know, near the tip top of programs that just don't really put themselves in NCAA tournament jeopardy very often. And though it's early, they clearly from an eye test perspective, from a computer perspective, they put themselves in, in a tough spot. Again, Kim Palm right now projects them to finish 13 and 13 overall seven and 13 in the big 10, unless they outperform what the computers currently project, they will not be in the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying what I just said is true. If they don't outperform the computers, they're in trouble. Meantime, on Tuesday, Arizona self-imposed a postseason ban. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Arizona self-imposed a postseason ban on Tuesday. I wrote a column about it. You can find it at cbssports.com. Norlander handled the headlines. So Norlander, you tell the folks what they need to know about this. Well, Arizona made the surprising decision. And from what I gather, this was done uh, with the president and not the coaching staff, nor should the coaching staff really make this decision, or the athletic director. And uh, in the midst of a 7-1 season, decided to do this. Now, the players didn't know about it until Tuesday morning, which means the players played on Pac-12 Network on Monday night when Paris didn't watch that D- game. Didn't, didn't see a second of Did it. Did not see a second of that game, and uh, they got themselves a good win. Arizona might wind up being like a top three, top four team in the Pac-12, which I did not think was going to be the case heading into the season. We'll see um, how this uh, impacts the team or doesn't going forward, but it is notable. Now, when all this went down, uh, I kind of stream of consciousness real time as I sometimes do. I don't, you know, I'm not getting into like research or whatever. I was like, oh, man, what's the last time that a school that like had a really good record wound up doing this? 
And then um, an army of Louisville fans who have been just basking in self-loathing for the past four years were like, you <laughs> idiot, Louisville did this four years ago. Well, I am an idiot, you're right. And two, I just, you know, I, I'm not going to... Rec- the Louisville violations all blend together at this point, so it didn't immediately come to me. But once it got noted, I did remember we actually had a pretty spirited podcast chat about this because... Louisville had a couple of grad transfers who got really screwed over in that process, but Louisville did that, and in doing so, uh, avoided another postseason ban after that. It only missed uh, that season, but uh, but did not uh, face another one. Now, we talked about this issue six weeks ago with Auburn. Now, Auburn was expected to not be that good, and it's out of the 2021 tournament. Arizona is making a calculation here. Here's my only thing on this, or one of my only things. Arizona's president and perhaps its border regions, they're making a calculation that is completely blind. They're saying we're going to the independent accountability resolution process, the IARP, and we've yet to hear about Memphis's case, which is now more than a year old. We've yet to hear with NC State connected to the FBI investigation. That should be the first verdict. Then Kansas, you know, USC, Creighton, all these other schools that are that are likely to take this route. We're waiting on all of those. No one knows what's going to happen. But Arizona is thinking that if we do this now, it's going to spare us another postseason ban in 22 or potentially in 23. Parrish, I'm not going to, don't ask me to predict because I don't know. No one knows. So I'll hand it back over to you. That's why they're doing this, though. And it could backfire just the same way it could backfire in other schools. But I tell you what, Kansas can win the national championship this year. You're not going to see Kansas do this. Um, We'll wait and see. We did talk about this five, six weeks ago. You wrote another column on it. I actually intentionally did not read the column because I wanted to hear if you had... uh, Well, no, I didn't read it because (laughs) I figure you're going to make some points here on the podcast. I normally read everything GP writes except the top 25 and one and this column. But uh, in case... That's all I do. (laughs) I know. know, It's true. It is true. Uh, You're mixing a a thing here or there. But anyway, in case you're going to make similar points, I wanted to hear them fresh. I want to hear him fresh. I didn't want to get spoiled. Um, and I didn't know if you had a twist on this as opposed to what you wrote when you talked about Auburn because we're in similar mindsets here that this should not be allowed. But that being said, and I'm going to hand it over to you, you can't stop schools from doing this. They, I mean, Gonzaga could turn around tomorrow and be like, we're on a postseason ban in t- for 2020. <laughs> you, they can just do it. It's a matter of whether or not that action winds up having any kind of impact on the Committee on Infractions, which is not what Arizona is doing or the IARP, which it is. Yeah, I I felt the same way about this situation for years now. Um, You know, the same column I wrote about Louisville is basically the same column I wrote about Auburn is basically the same column I wrote about Arizona. You know, our editor, Marcus Nelson, like hit me in Slack yesterday and he was like, do you want to, do you want to write a column on this? Which is, uh, translates into, hey, I'd really like it if you wrote a column about this. Like, so I said, sure, I can, but I, you know, I don't have a lot of new things to say. Like I, I've been pretty consistent on this. And he said, well, the Auburn column did well, so <laughs> write it again. I said, sure. So that's what I did. But you know, the, the situations are slightly different. Auburn is it was supposed to be bad. They weren't getting their five star point guard. Um, you know, it, again, I don't think it should be allowed, but. If, if it is allowed and it's effective, if I were Auburn, I would have done the same thing. And that's basically what I said with the Auburn situation. Um, the, you, you go back to the Louisville and you're exactly right. The reason I was so passionate about that one was that team was good. I mean, that team finished seventh at Ken Palm. I mean, by definition, that was a national championship contender. And Damian Lee and Trey Lewis were both grad transfers who went there. And if you went back 
and pulled the quotes from the days that they announced going to Louisville. It, they, it, they, it, they, in one way or another, they both said, it's my dream to play in the NCAA tournament. Like I'm going to this place specifically because it's Louisville, because it's Rick Patino, and because I know I'm going to get to play in the NCAA tournament finally. And then deep into the season, when they've already exhausted their eligibility, there's nowhere to go, that gets ripped away from them. I understood that it was probably in the best interest long-term of the Louisville basketball program. I thought it was shameful and wrong to rip it. Like, whatever is best for your basketball program, I thought should have been secondary to what's right to Damian Lee and what's right to Trey Lewis. You recruited them there. They came there specifically to do this thing. They're, a, they're weeks away from doing. And then you rip it away from them and now ensure that they'll never have that opportunity again. I thought that was awful. Um, now, Arizona has done something similar. Uh, this Arizona team is not as good as that Louisville team. I don't think there's a grad transfer on the team that always dreamed of going to the NCAA tournament, and that's why I went to Arizona, because if your dream was always to go to the NCAA tournament, you got one year left, you probably wouldn't have gone to Arizona this year. You'd have gone to mm -hmm. um, Gonzaga so, or Baylor. So I don't think it's apples to apples exactly, but the idea that you can recruit players to campus telling them, hey, you know, or, or not telling them this is going to be a thing. And then allow them to go out and get off to a nice start. You know, they're seven and one. They, they, they beat Colorado. Colorado's a team I had in the top 25 and one. I don't know that it guaranteed Arizona was going to the NCAA tournament, but uh, on uh, Monday night, you know, they, they performed at a level that suggested they might, they, that it was maybe even likely. And then you wake up on Tuesday morning and you take that away midseason. And I know that reportedly the players handled it well because it's not hard to manipulate and trick young people into thinking you're not doing them wrong when you really are, but Arizona's administration did them wrong. And you know, you said you, you, you wish it wouldn't be allowed. I do too. But as long as it is allowed, here's what I wish. I wish it would be ignored. I wish the NCAA would say, you can do as you put it. Gonzaga could say we're postseason banning ourselves and, and just say, the NCAA could say, you can do whatever you want to do. It will have no impact on what we're going to do. We will punish you when we punish you the way we want to punish you. And we will not even consider that you punished yourself in advance of us reaching that stage. That's what I wish it's sort of a, you know, comparison I used in the column again, not apples to apples, but when you're a teenager, you don't get to ground yourself for the weekend when you think it's going to be a lame weekend relative to the great weekends you hope to have in your future. Like yeah. it doesn't work like that. You don't get to say, Hey mom, dad, I'm grounding myself this weekend because, like, there's only one party and it's a bunch of nerds, so I'm not really interested in that. But, like, three weeks from now, best party ever. I really want to be involved in that one. So I'm going to take myself out of this one so I can make sure I'm involved in that. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> Similarly, you shouldn't be allowed to ban yourself from anything, or at least you shouldn't have it uh, count as, as, as time served. And so my... Uh, you know, request to the NCAA would be either stop allowing this or start ignoring this. Stop giving reasons to schools like Arizona and Auburn and in football, LSU, which is just comical. Amazing. Bo I mean, just, I don't Amazing. even know how you, I don't even know how you can with a straight face announce <laughs> that you're LSU putting yourself on a postseason ban. I mean, that's like, like I, I, even if I worked at LSU, I'd have been like, 
you know how ridiculous like this 15 looks, bowls canceled this year it's just um, <laughs> just incredible and, it's, and just, all this is happening in a pandemic when they're doing this yeah. right and so I, I i understand why arizona is doing it given the way these things typically work but i wish they wouldn't work the way they work i wish the NCAA would say no more of this and or or more more easily i think they could just say we're not accepting your self-imposed punishment to 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 take the place of our punishment we will punish you when we get to it how we want to and what you did to yourself will have no bearing on it whatsoever i and i don't know what that's what the ncaa will do here it's just what i wish the ncaa would do here and let me be very clear i say that about auburn i say it about arizona and i would say it about literally any other program in america in a similar situation yeah no one knows what's going to happen here i mean the iarp is has been established as an independent judicial body adjacent to the NCAA, but there are no people employed by the NCAA on that. So there's no telling what what's going to happen here, which is makes for fa- uh, a fascinating. It makes for a fascinating plot as people continue to wait for all of this to happen, and um, this kind of move goes against what some have suggested just be the, the the modus operandi for schools. And it's kind of what Kansas has done here. And that's just basically, screw you, deny everything. We're going to do anything and everything to defy you and not do this. Um, and so, you know, it, it it is interesting to see how schools have taken different approaches in recent years. Well, and, well, there's, well, and there's I, no I, telling which way it's going to pay off. Well, I think it really does come down to something you touched on earlier. Like Kansas is playing for national or trying to play for a national championship. Mm-hmm. You know, Arizona knows they don't have a national championship team. They they have a team that could maybe make the NCAA tournament, but this is not going to be one of the great Arizona teams. I I, I would bet whatever on it. You go back to when all of this like initially became a thing. You know, th- there was a moment where a certain school would have pulled DeAndre Ayton off the court, you know, right or wrong. They would have just said, "Okay, we got to you know this these." these reports are swirling. We got to pull him off the court. At that point, Arizona was in the position that Kansas is in now a legitimate national title contender. So they just basically said, Hey, if Deandre Ayton is here for uh, reasons that fall outside of the NCAA rule book, well, he's already played 20 something games. We like, we already in it no matter what. So we just going to keep going forward and hope nothing comes of it. Um, I don't think there's any scenario. They would have done this with a championship level team. They just do it with this team because this team's not that. And to do it on December 29th, when they've had a notice of allegations for more than two months, when they've known they're facing multiple level one violations for more than two months, there's no reason they couldn't have done this two months ago if they were going to do it now. Like you could argue mm. we're going to do it or we're not going to do it. And, and I, you know, there, there's merits to both sides, I guess, as long as the NCAA allows you to do it. But there's no reason you couldn't have done this two months ago. But you do it in the middle of, not in the middle of December, at the end of December when the players have already played eight games, well, you've just limited, you've ripped something. How many of these players, if you told them two and a half months ago, hey, we're going to remove ourselves from NCAA tournament consideration. How many decide at that point, well, then I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. But like right. it's, it's December 29th yesterday. Now it's December 3rd. Where are you going now? So you you do limit the options of the student athletes by the timing of this. And let me be clear. I'm not insisting that that is what 
that's the reason for the timing that you trapped them. I'm not insisting that. I'm just saying it is a byproduct of you doing it now as opposed to doing it two months ago uh, because you've got, far as I know, no new information. We have known for a while Arizona was staring down an NCAA barrel. They've had the notice of allegations in their possession for more than two months to do this in the middle of the season after a win. Like, it's just, again, shameful. It's not unique to Arizona. Other schools have done this. But I'm consistent across the board. I think every school that does this is wrong. Those players went out on Monday night and played a quality opponent on a network nobody sees and won by double digits and probably went to bed wondering on some level, hey, are we better than people think? And, boy, we might really get to go to the NCAA tournament. And to have that ripped away the following morning, again, it just should not happen. I understand the thinking and logic behind it, as long as the NCAA allows it to happen. But it should not happen. And the best way for the NCAA to stop it from happening is to stop acknowledging it. Just tell, just when you eventually punish Auburn or LSU football or Arizona basketball, make it clear. Put it in your statement. We know that you self-imposed a postseason ban but we did not care. That had no impact on what we were going to do. We were going to punish you the way we wanted to punish you. And if you, um, if you punish yourself in advance of that, well, then you did it, far as we're concerned, for no reason. I can't, uh, I can't add any more to that. All right, what else we got, GP? Well, um, I don't want to spend any time on Wednesday games because we are recording this Wednesday afternoon for a variety of reasons. And by yeah. the time people, or by the time people are listening to this, the Wednesday games might already be over. Well, so like, let's not even bother. Yeah, with them. no, no, hold on though, hold on. I mean, you uh, nice little intro there. We got right into Michigan State, but you know, I think the listeners deserve to know. Like, you cheated on me today. Like, you know. You, you you did a podcast. Who did you podcast with? I'm up. Okay. I'm on the couch. It's 1.45 in the morning. You think you can tiptoe into the house like this? I caught you. Yeah. 80-minute podcast with someone yeah. else. Who was it, Gary? Okay, so I've had, a, I've had a long day. I am so looking. Like, once I finish <laughs> this, once we finish talking, once I say, uh, till then, take care, I don't have anything else to do the rest of the day. And I am so fired up about that because <laughs> – I've co-hosted Time to Shine on CBS Sports Network with Evan Washburn each of the past two days, and we record those early in the morning. And then you just hope that nothing crazy happens in the middle of the day. But uh, we record those remotely. This morning we did it at 9.15 my time. And then I think I was hoping in my head, well, then we'll podcast Norlander and I right after that. But then you had stuff going on, so that time frame didn't work for you. And then I had already committed to doing a podcast with Antonio Anderson, the former Memphis star, mm. uh, um, on that old podcast network. Oh, I see. That what's his name? Oh, and what's his name? Two, started. Just oh, how the turntables. Couple days removed from giving some playful, some playful jocularity, and you go on. I'm trying to help him. You go on the Field of 68 podcast network. <laughs> Field of 68. It's the Bill, got- Street, the Bill Street Bullies edition. And so, um, no, in all seriousness, if Goodman would have asked me, I'd have said no. But Antonio, I can't say no to Antonio Anderson. How can I say no to Antonio Anderson? I was his beat writer. We I know I hear back. you. No, it's, it's totally fine. But if anyone, it, it, listen, 
we just sometimes real life gets in the way. So uh, appreciation to everyone listening now, and that's why this Wednesday one got in a little bit later. GP had his stuff, and then between me and my, my wife, we're all working from home here. But I wanted to just I wanted just to play with. <laughs> play with GP just a little bit there. So that's why you're listening to this at the earliest on an early Wednesday evening. There's no real point in talking about the Wednesday games. If anything notable happens in them, we'll get to it on Friday's podcast. That's exactly right. The big game, I think, Tennessee at Missouri. No doubt. Conzo Martin against his former program, Tennessee undefeated, Missouri undefeated, both ranks. So that's a fun game for Wednesday night. We will talk about it on Friday if something interesting uh, comes from it. Um, There is one, not one, but there is a interesting uh, Thursday game, New Year's Eve game, starts at 430 Eastern, number 21, Minnesota. At number six, Wisconsin. Both teams are two and one in the Big Ten. The Gophers own wins over Iowa St. Louis, that's our Billikens, and Michigan State. The Badgers have beaten Louisville, Loyola, Chicago, and Michigan State, but they've now got two losses to unranked teams. First to Marquette at the buzzer because they can't box out, and then, of course, to Maryland. So, from a computer's perspective, Wisconsin's supposed to be the best team in this league, and they might be, but. Uh, they've got two losses already to unranked teams. What do you make of, of that matchup? Because Minnesota is, you know, picked eleventh now in the t- picked eleventh in the Big Ten now in the top twenty-five. Wisconsin, you know, picked in the top two or three in the Big Ten, um, already suffered two losses to unranked teams. Couple thoughts here. First of all, shouts to the Big Ten for giving us this quality matchup at four thirty on New Year's Eve. Okay, um, because we got Colorado at USC at ten o'clock Eastern. That game's not going to finish until after the ball drops. Come on now, what are we doing here? Michigan at Maryland is an eight o'clock tip. I mean, I know it's a pandemic, and so this affects. If I, I don't know, if I'm a college basketball player, am I psyched to play on New Year's Eve at eight o'clock at night? Maybe I am. Um, maybe I'm on an island here. Um, Minnesota. 11th in the power rankings. Power rankings more like recency bias, good wins, big win streaks. It's not like GP's rankings. So they're higher in mine than GP's. Uh, Wisconsin's down to, I dropped him to 14 here. This is a wonderful matchup. Minnesota, it's one of the surprises of the season so far. Uh, the Booth Gosh corollary. He gets on this roster and suddenly, there we eat practically undefeated. Marcus Carr is in the conversation right now, 10 games into Minnesota's season, as a first-team All-American. And as noted in the power rankings, Minnesota is likely riding the best three-game win streak considering opponents. Now, they were all at the barn. I get that. Minnesota had the the benefit of playing all those games on its home floor. And in fact, Minnesota is 9-1, all nine wins at Minnesota. The lone loss was a wipe the floor situation against Illinois. So we'll see against Wisconsin. They can't get it done. We'll we'll obviously address that on Friday's pod. But St. Louis, Iowa, then Michigan State, even though Michigan State's slumping still, that's that's a nice uh, three-victim list there for, for the Golden Gophers. So Richard Pitino, who, by the way, this stunned me. Sometimes you just kind of come across these things and your sense of time is completely flipped upside down. He's been there since 2013. Like, if you would just ask me blindly, I was like, yeah, I'm at Peter Tino, I think he got the job in 2016. Uh-uh, dude. Like, I remember when he was at FIU, and it does not seem like that was 2012-2013. I cannot believe it's been that long. But since he's got there, this is now his eighth season and stands to potentially be his best team yet. His The other team that he had was really good. was the 2016-17 crew. was a five seed that got upset in the first round of the tournament. Uh, but that group started 12-1, and one, 
and and this group could be even better. Uh, Marcus Carr has been an outright stud. And they're doing this, by the way, like Liam Robbins from Drake. Uh, that's two straight Drake references on the podcast, something I never thought would happen. But a big I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if you know. Okay. But yeah, there's an interesting little fact about Drake. Do mm. you understand what it is? First university ever named after a hip hop star. By the way, I, I had several I had several people tweet me I and you it. I learned and make it very clear. Yes. I, there's no reason in the world for me to know anything about Drake's coffee cakes because yep. they weren't they weren't even sold anywhere near where I live. That's correct. I was unaware that for a long, long, long time, Drake's coffee cakes were primarily a northeast eastern seaboard kind of deal. That said, if you had caught that episode of Seinfeld, you still would have known what they were. But that's uh, it's all right, whatever. Anyway. Daniel Tour is not even on this roster anymore, which makes it even more surprising to me because he was awesome last season for Minnesota, which went 15 and 16. He leaves, and now they're nine and one. Um, yeah, that's just that is that is the game to know for Thursday. There are other ones, like I mentioned, Michigan at Maryland, Colorado at USC, um, and I was gonna say Arizona at Washington, but nah, that's on the Pac-12 network, and Washington's terrible. So, so it's a, it's yeah. actually a relatively light schedule. There are games on Thursday. Oh, I got one. Oh, I got one. Real quick. Before you want to talk about Minnesota, Wisconsin, did you see? Did you see? I don't want to wait until Friday to talk about this, and we'll talk about. We can talk about it on Friday if you want. Did you see the situation that Boise State's playing in on Thursday? I, I'm unaware. Oh my gosh! I confirmed it with Leon Rice uh, shortly before the podcast began. So shouts to BJ Rains. He's a reporter who covers uh, Boise State. So San Jose State is in Santa Clara County. Can't play games in Santa Clara County right now. So it's it's posted up in Phoenix right now. Dude, this is fascinating. Boise State is going to play against San Jose State on Thursday night at a place called Ability 360 in the greater Phoenix area. According to BJ Reigns, there will be a one-camera live stream. No media is allowed. And on his tweet, this is a picture of the court according to their website. And it, I mean, I actually think I might have, I have a cousin who lives in greater Phoenix. I might have been at, in this at one point there. This is where we're at in college basketball. San Jose State is going to host a home game at like an LA fitness level kind of deal. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. Like it's just it's it's crazy. I'm going to literally send this to you now. So I I wanted to bring that up because you know, these teams that can't be in Santa Clara County like uh Stanford and uh, I'm forgetting the other one. What's the other one? Santa Clara. There we go. I know. Leaning into it. Um, they got to figure out how they're getting these games in. Stanford's at the G League Warriors facility. San Jose State, I, I don't know any more information yet, and I don't think I want to know, but the fact that it, like, bless that coaching staff and that Dobo, they're searching for a, a spot to get in a game, and it's akin to you hitting up your buddies being like, you want to get a run in after dinner, let's go down to Ability 360 and work in a game. And here's what Leon Rice said, by the way. He said, and this is the right attitude. He go, I go, tell me this isn't true. You're legitimately playing a league game at a fitness center tomorrow. He goes, hell yeah, and we're <laughs> so excited to do it. I got hungry dogs. We'll play outside if we need to. That is absolutely the right attitude. Boise State is good enough in a down Mountain West to get the audit in that league, so just keep an eye on that. This is, my, this is quickly becoming my favorite story of the week in college basketball. I, I have a pair of Boise State basketball shorts that I wear every three days. I think I'm aware. I think you actually have mentioned this before, and I am aware of the fact that you rock the uh, the Bronco shorts. I rock Broncos shorts. Um, I should um, correct myself before somebody does on Twitter. I said Wisconsin, from a computer perspective, is supposed to be the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, technically, right now Iowa is fourth 
at Ken Palm, and Wisconsin is fifth at Ken, Ken Palm, and Illinois is somewhere. Where did the Illini go? They're sixth. So right now, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois are four, five, and six. Ken Palm in that order, all projected to finish. 13 and seven in the big 10. So when I said Wisconsin from a computer's perspective, it's supposed to be the best team, technically not true, but close, close enough to kind of being true. This of course is the result. I was, was impressive on Tuesday night, Mm -hmm. blew out Northwestern Jordan Bohannon made six of nine, three pointers, 24 points. You know, he had entered that game shooting like 27% from three coming off a hip surgery last season. He only played 10 games and you know, after the game last night, he you know told a story about Fran McCaffrey coming to him and just saying, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, we need you to keep shooting. I know you're missing a lot. Uh, like I I see the box scores, uh, but you got to keep shooting because if we're gonna be what we're supposed to be, it involves you making shots. And so just keep shooting until you make shots. It, you know, and and get your swagger back and get your confidence back. And he, you know, he said that helped, you know, for whatever it's worth, he said he felt like that nudge from his coach helped him. And he went out, he, you know, shot nine last night, made six of them uh, and got his three point percentage above 30%. You know, he should be around 40% high volume shooter. Um, who knows if it can hold up, but you know, it, it, that was a good performance that he seemed to think was perhaps turning the corner. And to get back to the central point, it helped Iowa's computer numbers go the right direction. So now Iowa is fourth at Ken Palm, Wisconsin fifth, Illinois sixth. And plenty more to come within the Big Ten. I mean, there's just going to – conference is relevant on a day-by-day basis at this point. It's right. The Big Ten, Big 12 are the two best leagues, and there are interesting games practically every day on the schedule. Big Ten has also benefited. Uh, credit to Brandon Quinn for noticing this. On the men's side, to this point, knocking on wood here, as we still get, you know, expected postponements um, – in college basketball, practically on a daily basis. The Big Ten has not had to, I guess, adjust one league game yet. Uh, I don't know how much longer it can keep that up, but it has had the benefit uh, of doing that. And in doing so, um, getting the results in and, you know, a lot of good teams, it just, it's by far the most interesting conference uh, in America. You got anything else? If not, because I'm going to ask you a question about uh, end of year stuff here. I think I've said everything I need to say. I spent 80 minutes talking to Antonio Anderson. I'm going to get you out here real quick. I'm going to get you out here real quick. But but two things here. One, so last year I had fun doing it, uh, but the schedule was different, so we didn't do it this year, and that's fine, and I'm going to have something in the court report with it. A year ago, you may recall, we did the 10 biggest stories in college basketball for 2019. We're not doing that this year. If you want to know the 20 biggest stories in college basketball in 2020, Thursday's edition of the court report will have that, but let's just spoil the top five here. I want to quiz you, okay? Not a trivia time, this is just a quiz. Okay. What do you think the five biggest in my estimation, the five biggest stories of 2020 in college basketball were San Diego State going undefeated. <laughs> as much as I would love to drop that deep reference into the copy, I'm pretty sure the aforementioned gentleman, Marcus Nelson, would uh, would knock it out of there. So there is no San Diego State mentioned. I will give you this. Number six is the Obi Toppin Dayton story. I put that at number well, six. I, I, I thought that would certainly be in the top five. It I mean, is. It is. Dayton with the National Player of the Year. I know it's it's well. If you disagree, that's that's all well and good. But um, I do, I do disagree. Okay, well we'll figure. We're going to get to the top five. First of all, number one is the easiest one of all. What do you think number one is? Number one is the easy number one top story in college basketball in 2020. Yes. 
This Kentucky, this Kentucky going starting a season one and six. This might be worse than my all-time trivia time bomb. GP, what's the biggest story in college basketball in 2020? The NCAA tournament being canceled. There we go. That is by okay. far number one. Now, two through five are interesting. Um, and they could be put in different kinds of orders here. But I try to combo it in terms of how big the stories were when they happened. And also looking back and reflecting what the stories mean. So, um, give me another guess. Peel I mean, through I, your mind. I, I, I think big stories mm -hmm. were North Carolina stinking last season to that degree and Kentucky starting one and six this season. I don't have North Carolina sucking, but it was on the list. Kentucky is on the list. It's just not top five. It is in the top ten, though. Okay, other things. Um, I will tell you two of them, two of the four, have happened since the start of November. Two of the four have happened since the start of November. I mean, I. I mean, is it Gonzaga related? It's not, although Gonzaga is on the list. One of well, them. I, th I think the two biggest stories in college basketball right now is Gonzaga looks like it could be an undefeated national champion with double-digit wins over three power conference uh, powers, and. Kentucky's one and six for the first time in more than a century. Those are the two biggest stories in college basketball this season. Keontae Johnson's collapse, I think, is a bigger story. So that is in the top five because of the uh, seriousness around it and how much speculation it brought to college basketball and college athletics. Now, he is still he's on the mend, which is terrific, and he's actually now acting as a coach. Mike White's talked to the media earlier this week. Keontae Johnson is now um, essentially a, a coach on the, on the roster, if you will, which is, which is wonderful news. To me, that was a scary enough situation that it validated being in the top five. And the other one... The news broke prior to November, but the but the result of it happened in November, and that was the allegations against Greg Marshall, which led to his resignation. Oh, yeah. No, that's right. That's a big story. That is a big story. So there are still two more. One of them is... I, the reason I love doing this is I know people are playing at home. One of them, it would not be in your mind right now, but when it happened, undeniably one of the five biggest stories of college basketball in 2020. The other one is more symbolic and significant so i don't think you're going to get it so i'm going to give you this one i have two people within days of each other three days of each other legends in the sport dying death of john thompson and lute olson um hugely significant and thompson was massive i think i think his passing i mean that's the kind of thing where like john thompson dying made the nightly news on all the major networks a very very big deal so he's in the top five there's one more story happened well before COVID hit, college basketball. Is now, it is it the one that you said it won't be in my mind, but at the time it was a big, big deal? Huge, yes. Is it Silvio D'Souza, the right. big fight? That's right. That yeah. was the most read news story in college basketball on CBSSports.com last season. So that was January 22nd. That truly, do you agree with me? That truly does not feel like it happened in 2020. That feels like a year and a half ago to me. Anything like Evan Washburn and I were talking on Time to Shine, um, and we we were asked to, to, to what were the big what's the biggest sports story of 2020, and basically 2020 when you think of it, you like it shouldn't even include the first two months. It, like it, that doesn't even feel like the same year. Like it feels like 2020 started in March, mm -hmm. and and then it's just been hell ever since. Um, 
you know, and we were asked to, to, to speak to positive stories. So, like, the biggest sports story in 2020, like Kobe Bryant dying, right? Yeah. 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 If I you want to remove, like, COVID affecting everything, then Kobe Bryant's death is the biggest story. Yes. Right. So I went with, I said, on a personal level, my favorite story is the Wilpons selling the New York Mets to Steve Cohen. Um, big things ahead in Queens. But if I were asked to pick a positive 2020 story, I think the NBA establishing a bubble and being able to complete a season virus-free with the Lakers winning a championship in the year Kobe dies and LeBron getting his fourth and them doing it all while taking real hard stands on social justice issues Mm. throughout this country. I think that, you know, throw it all in one big bowl. I think that was the biggest story, sports story of 2020. But Evan, he brought up the Super Bowl. Which doesn't like like the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yeah, it feels like it was fifty years ago because it was pre-COVID. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't. That's a good topic though. My favorite positive sports story of 2020. I mean, aside from you know the Bears benching Nick Foles and bringing Trubisky back into the starting lineup, uh, which is obvious. I mean, um, but other than that, I'd have to noodle on that GP because uh, there's there were like good little things here and there where. Um, you know that that you know might might have made a made a day better or just you I mean, know yeah, yeah like there's, there's a handful I just I was because I was brainstorming okay. about it but like Freddie Freeman winning MVP after getting COVID right. kind of a neat little story Dodgers winning the first World Series since '88 mm-hmm. that's a big story um you know but you know I think I think those would be on the list somewhere I, I know um you know whatever's happening right now in the NFL. Um, you know, the, the uh, Aaron Rodgers on the verge of winning an, another MVP at the age of 37 is a big story. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. But, no, it's but, been, it's been a, listen, GP, it's been a, just a, this year, man, just been unbelievable. Um, last thing. Do you have a favorite moment from the pot? I want to hear from people in the reviews and find us on Twitter too. Your favorite podcast. We have had a number of them. I wish that I had the bandwidth, the time, the capability to like create like a, a 10 minute supercut of like all the great things because there have been so many. But does anything spring to mind? Favorite podcast moment for you on this here pod in 2020? I'm, you know, I'm honestly not good at that oh, kind boy. of thing because I just uh, I talk so much that I just like I, I talk and then I'm done with that. And now I'm ready to talk about something else. I don't have uh, I'm not great. Like, oh, that was the best episode. I don't have any, okay. I don't I couldn't even put a list together for you, but I do remember thinking it was hilarious that you forgot RJ Barrett existed. Mm. I don't know who that is, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have to take your word. For it that. was, it was like the clues got this specific. All American who was a top three pick and played with Zion Williams. <laughs> and you were like, I, I don't, just doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. Can't, uh, can't recall it. Um, one of my favorites, I'm going to, I'll give the, if anyone came to this podcast later this year and we have had a lot of new subscribers. So thank you. So you missed this. It is the intro I made with Duke beating Carolina and the good. Mike Krzyzewski. So if you never heard that, I'll put it at that. This is, that's my end of year treat to you. And you can listen to that because it is, uh, I made a few of them that I actually really liked the one where I made were, uh, going into a weekend, every single prediction you made was wrong. And all the ones I made were right. And then at the end of it, I had GP with his only correct prediction, uh, being that he was pro premarital sex. I, I had an absolutely, <laughs> those were fun, but time consuming. 
but uh, but those those I did get good enjoyment out of, and people really uh, really did enjoy those. But yes, no, thank you for everyone for listening. And uh, it's weird to do like this is the last one of 2020, and it's the middle of the week. We're gonna be back on Friday morning. Let's decide this right now in real time before we get out of here. Thursday night, so tomorrow night, New Year's Eve. We've had this discussion, I think, four times in the past on the podcast. Like, I actually, I'm not like a big New Year's Eve guy, but in normal years, you know, when it, last year I had my freaking dead leg and I had diverticulitis <laughs> and I was in the hospital on Christmas. And then so I had to recover. I stayed at home while my wife went out on New Year's Eve and it was the first time in ages because normally, like, I go out to a friend's house and we have a good time. You are the king of, like, eh, it is just is what it is. I'm going to stick around at home. I'm going to, I'm going to pop on New Year's Rock and Eve, hang out with Ryan Seacrest. And if I'm, if I'm up, at midnight i'm up at midnight this year you know everyone's going to be kind of stuck at home doing our own little dealio here but i'm still going to make it to midnight i assume you are as well so that said there's no real big games on friday you want to ease into this friday episode give people a heads up like maybe do 11 11 30 a.m maybe noon yeah. like we don't we don't need to be busting our ass here on friday do we no 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 um okay. we probably want to get them done before you know the college football playoff starts which is also weird, by the way, that's happening Friday. Like, I acknowledge that it's happening, but maybe we're just inside our own little lives right now, and plenty of people love college football that listen to this. That game just does not feel like it's less than... It's basically 48 hours from we're doing this. You agree? Right. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel like it's just around the corner. Uh, you know, it's just wild. I, I do normally, as I've gotten, you know, kids and got older... You know, we just sort of, you know, we, we get food. We hang out here at the house for New Year's. But, like, last New Year's Eve... I was, um, I was in New York with my wife and our exchange student from Germany mm. that lived with us for a year. She came over with her boyfriend. They flew into New York and we had an awesome dinner on New Year's Eve. And you know, then hang, hung out at a bar. We, you know, uh, let you know, it, it didn't get anywhere close to Times Square. That's a nightmare. Yeah. But like, um, you know, had a nice dinner. Went to a bar. You know, watched the clock hit midnight. Uh, that was you know. To contrast that with, mm -hmm. like, we had no idea what was about to hit our world, or, or at least we didn't have a proper understanding of what was about to hit our world. To contrast that with, you know, tomorrow on New Year's Eve, literally a year later, if I want to go into Walgreens, I've got to have a mask on. It's just wild to mm -hmm. think about. So we're obviously not having any big plans this year, but... Um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Like I'm going to get up and go play 18 holes. Oh my God. I'm going to go play 18. And then, uh, and then I'm uh, going to come home and we'll, we'll get some food and we'll get, let it get dark. And you know, we're, we're in Mississippi, so you can just blow fireworks up and stuff. So we'll get fireworks for the kids and you know, light the fire pit and get some s'mores and some hot dogs. And then there's, uh, an NBA game at eight o'clock and then season three Cobra Kai drops at 11 o'clock my time on Netflix. So I watch two episodes of that. See it hit midnight. Say hello to 2021. Get a good night's sleep. Wake up. We'll make some uh, Friday. Uh, what is it called? Uh, final four and one. Final four, final four oh and one on Friday. All right. We'll your biggest resolution is you have to remember the damn segments on the podcast there. My resolution <laughs> I do think I want to do that fire pit deal. I've been I've been wanting to do that for a few years. I think it's. Yeah, I, I think I we bought one. Uh, we got we actually just bought it off of Amazon, and um and it, it like we did it the other night for the boys. Kids just love fires and like you know putting marshmallows on a 
you know, little thing and letting them, the kids like that kind of stuff. So we, you know, and it's, it's pretty to look at, you know, we bought a nice one, so it's pretty to look at. I, I hear you. Um, all right. Please do find us on Twitter. I want to know what some of your favorite memories of the podcast in the past year were. Cause, uh, cause I'm sure there's a few things I've forgotten. I guarantee you every single thing Parrish has forgotten, but remind us, let us know what you liked. Um, if there's anything you can even recall and you can send audio with it, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be all the more in favor of that. And uh, and we will be here for you either late morning Friday, more likely early afternoon to preview everything Saturday, Sunday. There's nothing to miss on Friday hoops-wise. It's all college football playoff, and then we'll get you ready for the weekend. Totally ridiculous that James Naismith invented a game he couldn't win at. You know what? The PR for James Naismith has been out of control for decades. The stuff that should have been going to two-year-old Tony Hinkle... And Bill Henderson instead to James Naismith. I think we've got a mission for 2021. My guy went 55 and 60, and we talk about him like he's a genius. Like, you invented a game. How smart are you if you invent a game you can't win at? If I promise you, if I ever invent a game, I'm going to be awesome at it. But whatever. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, EMF and Tico, legend. Shouts to Larnell, and thank you guys for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast right in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. I never thought I, I'd see one this dumb, but here we are. Thank you, guys. Have a safe and happy new year, and we will talk to you again in 2021 on Friday. Till then, take care. Let's think of a different year. Got the miss. Like defense. Jones, can he get a shot off? Yeah, let's go. Yes! Jones knocks it down to tie the game. Come on, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, let's think of a different cheer. Let's think of a different cheer. Different cheer. Different cheer. Different cheer. Different cheer. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Duke. A miss. A tap. Come on, Duke. Jones. Tips. Yes. Let's go. Wendell Moore puts it home for Duke. Let's go do it.